here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonald. How are you, Damon? We're good. We got smoked meats. We've got. Um, uh, it's fucking blazing hot here. It's like uh, we've had consecutive 100 day, 100 degree days, Joel, and hot, uh, relatively high humidity. It feels like 120 degrees here in Philadelphia. So uh, everyone is miserable. Everyone is uh, grouchy. Lot, the bars are loaded, though. I will say this. The bars are packed because uh, everybody wants to cool down. Everybody have a cold drink. But, yeah, it's fucking miserable here in Philadelphia. What, what's it out like out there? You just got back from a nice little holiday, too, where, the, where it looked very warm. I did, yeah. I had a lovely time in Sanya. Uh, salmon is pretty warm. We're in our yeah. summer, so just crack open the weather app and... Uh, it's not loading, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Great podcasting. This time, on our last show, we were g- getting into the specifics of the, you know the benefits of eating sunflower seeds. Here, I'm just staring at a blank weather app. So, oh no, uh, mine? easy come, easy go. I guess. Yeah, I mean, take it as you can. As uh, more, it's about thir- thirty, low thirties. Okay, so convert that to a normal occasional fucking... thunderstorms. Uh, please translate that to a normal Fahrenheit, please. What is what is that Celsius? Fahrenheit. Uh, Fahrenheit. That's about ninety. Okay, that's not that bad. I mean, I mean, we get hun- we're, yeah, we're hundreds. We're, we're at the hundreds, hundreds. I tell you. Um, again with humidity, fucking blows. I hate it. I, I don't know. That, are you a summer guy or you're a winter guy? Hmm. Uh, it depends where I am for the summer. I guess I find that summers in. China, uh, Asia, the heat can be a little bit oppressive. In mm-hmm. Britain, it's usually lovely. You get a bit of really nice warm weather. It's, not, it's not the humidity that kills me. I just don't like going out and about and then sweating and your T-shirt gets wet and bleh. Yeah, I fucking hate it. And I get sweat in like, because I'm a bigger dude, so I get sweat in like fucking just gross places. Awful. Um, I hate it. I fucking hate summer. I really do. I hate thunderstorms. I hate. I hate it all. I hate sweating. Stinks. Thank you. <laughs> God, we're such a negative podcast. Aren't we? we really are. We hate weather. All the weather geeks. Hey, how do you hate summer? Uh, shut up. The quote tweets. <laughs> right, right, right. These guys think summer stinks. Let, let's fucking let them have it. I've been, wa- I've been having summers for at least 20 years. Have you? Okay. Um, by the way, being that we're here, greatest invention ever. Is air conditioning, right? 
I don't think there's any better. Yeah, invention. I've got mine turned off at the moment. So what? I'm sitting here sweating because I don't, I don't want the air conditioning sound to compromise the integrity of my audio. Uh, listen, I appreciate that, but turn on that fucking air conditioning. You're going to sweat your balls off. And then you're going to be miserable. Just fucking turn on the air. Come on. I don't care. I don't care about our listeners. But what, you think the first five minutes I'm sitting here thinking about, oh, how can I entertain the audience? I don't give a shit. Turn on your air. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if it gets really impressive, I will turn it on. But right, I'm, I'm okay please. at the moment. It's not too bad. All right. I'm actually freezing in here. It's cold. It's balls. All right. Um, I know that we said to ourselves we got a lot to talk about. We were talking about our schedule. And our recording schedule, just thinking about all the things that we would have to do to satisfy this G1. And um, yet, we're talking about air conditioning and, and barbecue and whatever else we were talking about. So uh, lead, lead, us, lead us to salvation, Joel, as you always do, my, uh, my British Lord and Savior. <laughs> okay. Actually, I have got one fun question. Oh, uh, Savior says... Question, will there be a meetup at Chernobyl? And he sent a link to a CNN travel article saying that Chernobyl is now open for, uh, is going to become an official tourist attraction. That is shit. I, I mean, look, here's the thing. I don't know what it is in this world. This world is a fucked up world. So not only do we have tragedies, but then after you know a couple years settles in, people decide to make money off that tragedy through, I don't know, emotional fucking pickpocketing, it feels like. I mean, you right, have- so what you're saying is you're not, you're not keen for NJPW uh, nuclear disaster coming soon to... Yeah, I'm Chernobyl. good. You're you know what I mean? That. Like, it's just, like, I hate it, actually. Like, you know, you have your 9 And I understand you want to recognize the people who passed away and all that, but, it, like, I just hate the fact that it turns into a tourist attraction. And you got like fucking jerk off Instagram influencers, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, you know, I don't know. Just I, I don't like it. I don't fucking like that at all. Nine Eleven memorials and um, like Hiroshima. I went to that actually. I thought I, th- I thought it was really yeah depressing. Yeah, depressing is what it was, Joel. Yeah. I fuck. I mean, I did. You... Yeah, I was sort of trying not to cry as I was going around. I, could, <laughs> I couldn't say it was an enjoyable experience, but I, I thought it was an important one. I was. I glad... do too. Yeah, I was glad that I went. Okay, you, so to me, and I'm not going to tell people how to fucking live their lives. I'm going to tell you how to live your life, though. Like, right, you had the right reaction, but there are people that are just like taking selfies and fucking. I mean, I understand that people like the idea of reflecting and pausing and remembering. I understand it, and I fucking get it. Cool. I think it's a good thing. But I don't know. Then you get another fucking, like, again, a tour of Chernobyl. Why? Because there's a fucking TV show? Yeah, break. Oh, you fucking people are lost. It really drives me nuts. Fucking unbelievable. I mean, seriously. I mean, what's next? <laughs> Fucking crawling. Oh, no, I thought this is going to be a funny little question to get, get no, things No, it really off, got me riled know, up. Nice jokey, but <laughs> it's made you really angry. Yeah, I'm going to go take a selfie in the basement of, of John Wayne Gacy's, right? I mean, what the fuck? Fuck me. <laughs> right? I'm going to take a nice selfie crawling in a crawl space. I mean, what's next? It's fucking ridiculous. All right, thank you. Now, now, at least, here's, here's the thing. I, I, I got some passion in me now. 
I guess I'm fired. Not that I didn't have some before, because we just saw some great pro wrestling. Uh, which got me, which got me so fucking hyped. It is unbelievable. I don't. Three days at Corkin for G1. What a what a. I mean, I saw Fraser, our, our boy Fraser, a, a thousand times on, on camera, and I'm just like that motherfucker. He is living the life. What a what a th- what three days it has been in that little building. That little building on the fifth floor. Oh, what a what a lucky bunch of pricks just seeing that live. Oh, because I, I was on my couch. Jumping, cheering, rooting. I'm rooting for fucking Tai Chi. I, 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 I'm rooting for, for fucking Will. I, like, literally rooting to get a win. It's great. Felt like a, felt like a little child getting lost in pro wrestling again. And that's what it's all about. Not Chernobyl. <laughs> well, let's discuss the fallout from these G1 shows then. I hate you. What do you think of that segue? It was terrible. I hate you. Uh, actually, it's very good. I left. All right, go ahead. What are we doing, Fallout Boy? Yeah, okay. Most people have probably switched off by now. Yep. Thursday, July 18th from Crackwin Hall. We had G1 Climax, Damon. Uh, should we get... I mean, I didn't watch the undercards. No. Did you? Straight. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. I take that G1 back. G1 block matches. There, there was a couple of them that I did, but I'll, truth be told, and I was telling Joel before, we, my schedule is just so fucked that it was... It, here's what I'm going to say about the undercards. I really feel like... Look, you could skip them if you get burnout. Right? Don't feel. Don't be too proud, because guess what? Your boy Damon, he, he ain't he ain't sitting around for the undercard. I'm sorry, I ain't, I ain't got time for that shit. I, I, it's too much. So if you feel like you're burnout, by all means, you get the seal of approval from me. Now, if you're a completist and you you need to watch all these shows, I'm gonna tell you what I have seen. Saw saw Sid what? Um, the undercard tags. Joel are not bad. They're really not. It's not like you're sitting here. I, raw, these matches are short. They help set up the next night. Um, they're logical. Uh, I mean, people are getting pinfalls that you know you you know your Yoshihashi's are getting a pinfall or taking a fall or a boost. Yeah, that's what I was going to uh, comment on actually because I don't know. I can't really remember what's happened in recent years, but having. Guys picking up the win who are not in the G1 is interesting. So just looking at this one, we got Shota Umino picking up a, a pinfall. Yoshihashi getting a submission with the butterfly lock. Chase Owens yep. getting a pinfall. Uh, and Minoru Suzuki getting a pinfall as well. So putting a bit of shine on the people who are not taking part in the G1. Isn't that a great idea? Isn't that smart? Like, it's it's just keeping them fresh in people's minds. Keeping, making sure that you know people still recognize that that these people are still alive, and even with those people, like we talked about last week, we still got people that are on the you know kind of just chilling. I mean, you got God losing tag titles in New York. You got, you got uh, Tenzon hopefully you know fixing up that ankle of his. Uh, you know, it, it's it's smart, and and the people that are picking up these these wins and losses, but wins. Are just people that just, you just want to keep in front of people's eyeballs and, and Henare, you know, keeping them in front of people. Um, 
And I think that's a smart way to go. I think it's really one of the best ways to go. And then, of course, you get your stare down at the end, you know, for the block matchup. But the matches are good. They're short. They're not like, you know, you're sitting there dying. But if you're pressed for time, you, 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 you go right to, the, right to the tournament matches. And that's, that's what I think we did here. Yeah, and our first tournament match in the A block was Kenta defeating Lance Archer in 11 minutes 58 with his submission maneuver, the game over which leaves Kenta with six points and Lance Archer with four points. What do you think of Kenta's uh, entrance music? It reminds me a bit of like a James Bond theme. <laughs> yeah, with, with him slow motion kicking and shit. I keep waiting for him to do the subtle slow turn with the finger point of the gun. Um, I like... I'm going to give you two takes that I don't think are that hot. I'll, give you, I'll say they're warm at this point. But... Name me a guy who's made the most of his opportunity in this G1 more than Lance Archer. I, I'm, I'm hard-pressed. To, to Not the best guy, not the – but it, and here's the thing. To me, you could put Lance Archer in that category of one of the best guys in the tournament. For me, I think he has been spectacularly good in, in, in a big man. Like, when people – People would always hit us up, and I don't know if they still do, Joel. Do people still hit us up complaining about, oh, well, he's working big man style, blah, 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 blah. And I would always complain. It was usually about when we had Doc Gallows around, but Fale usually carries that torch. And they'd be like, you know what? There's a thousand other – no, maybe not a thousand other guys, but there's plenty of other guys that work that big man style that do it a, a million times better than – I'm like the king of exaggerations – than um, Gallows or, or Fale. And to me, Lance Archer works modern-day big man style. He works modern-day big man style. He has done more f- from this opportunity than he has in 15 fucking years in this business. Am I wrong in this? No, I absolutely agree with you. And I think it's quite notable that there are not any critics out there that I've seen online, Twitter, wherever, no one's saying, oh, why is Archer in this G1? And there were a couple of people when his name was first announced thinking, yeah, he's only been put in because of the Texas connection and the work that he's done for the G1 show in Dallas and blah, blah, blah. But now it seems everyone's in agreement that he's doing a terrific job. And I thought this match was a prime example of a really good big man versus little man match. It reminded me a bit of um, an early UFC match. I think it might have been like UFC 7 or something with Marco Huas against Paul Varlands. Um, wow. Paul Varlands was like twice the size of Marco Huas. And Marco Huas just leg kicked Paul Varlands to death, basically. Uh, and Varlands ended up just collapsing just because of the sustained amount of kicks that he received to his leg. And it was the first time it had been seen in mixed martial arts. So it was really quite historic at the time. And that's what this match reminded me of. And there was some really nice moments here. Uh, I liked the bit where Kenta got saved by his LA Dojo boys, where they caught him off the apron mm-hmm. uh, from uh, Lance, tried to choke slam him off. And then Lance is just like, ah, fuck that, and just cannonballed all three of them. I thought that was great. And it's just the little touches as well with Lance, like when he grabbed the uh, the house mic and just yelled at everyone in the microphone to shut up. And the trash talking, you're not Kenta anymore, you're Hideo. Yeah. Uh, Lance Arch is a guy who really fills up Karakuan Hall and that was one of the, the most memorable bits of you know I've only been there once for New Year Dash this year 
But when Lance Archer comes out, you know all about it. He fills up that arena just with his presence. He's he's a really absorbing and engaging character. And I found this match likewise. He's just got such a monstrous persona that it fills up the slower periods of his matches. And you know this wasn't the sort of ball-to-the-wall high-paced match that the Osprey match was. This was telling a story. It was quite tactical. But I just find Lance so entertaining to watch that it just it's a joy from bell to bell. Uh, some great reversal spots here as well. Like um, he went for the blackout and then Kenta reversed it into the rear naked choke. Uh, the go to sleep reversed into the everybody dies claw. And then the big spot near the end where he, Lance Archer was going for the choke slam and then Kenta transitioned it into a, a triangle and then the, the omoplata, the game over. And talking about, about how Lance is getting himself over, huge Archer shots from Karakuan. I've never heard that before. Yeah. I've never heard Archer, Archer. So that's worth pointing out as well. So this match, it was slower than the other matches Archer's had so far, so far but I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was terrific. And also notable as well for this being the first match where Kenta used his game over move. So we'll talk about this in his next match as well. But it seems that with each match, he's introducing a new one of his signature moves. But I thought this was really good. I had it like four stars. Yeah, I had it. And yeah, I had four as well. Uh, and again, Lance is one of those guys that he's getting, look, you would expect him to have really great matches against some of these names. But let's be honest here. To me, and Folly's had good matches with other people so far, but Lance pulled out arguably a very, very good, some people might even call it a great match. Out of Fale. Um, and I don't know if anybody else has really pulled that. Like, like of all the matches Fale has had so far, has was Lance's the best one? Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a minor miracle he pulled there. Right? That was not an easy task. Right? And, we, and, and they're both and, big men, but they're working different styles, aren't they? Lance has got like more, more intensity and anger and pace and sort of ferocity to yeah, his assaults. And he's not a fat hunk of shit. <laughs> right? Right, that's helpful too, right? I mean... Yeah, he's fast. He's really quick. Right. Right. He is. And again, I've said it before, and it's been brought up before, this is a guy who's come off major back surgery. Right? And this is a guy that's not... He's been around forever. And he's a guy that you would... Th- you know, when... when Suzuki Goon was in Noah, right? I, I saw somebody say this online, and I agree one hundred percent. And 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 I I I fail to give proper attribution. I'm going to Meltzer it, <laughs> but but uh, you know the person was like, he was he was probably the highlight of Suzuki Goon in Noah. Look, I don't again. I, I'll say it once more. There is nobody in that G one who has made more of an opportunity. Especially coming back. How's, how long has it been? Five years since he's been in a, a G1? Maybe even longer? He's made the most of this opportunity. I couldn't be happier for the dude. Um, because what he's doing is he's earning... Not only is he earning respect of the company to be put in positions where he can deliver, right? Which means more money in his pocket, more opportunities for him. But even the fans, you said it. Like the chance, even even in the Tanahashi match, 
right? They, they were loudly cheering for Archer. And it's never happened before. I'm happy for him. This is, it's, it's amazing, amazing what this opportunity has given him so far. Um, it's it's career changing. Three matches has have absolutely changed his career and his trajectory. Nobody gave a fuck about Lance Archer. I mean, yes, there would be people to be like, "Hey, he's really good," and he should be. But no one really was like, "Oh, I'm all in on Lance Archer." I got people who ne- who never even mentioned the word Lance Archer before in their lives, tweeting out Lance Archer shit and how he's how he's you know a must see. Okay, three matches he's done this. And I'm excited to see more. I think he's done great. I think he's done an outstanding job. Now, Kenta, I think Kenta has done really well. I've enjoyed his matches. And, and, and from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, and I could be wrong, I just don't feel like people are, are hooking on to Kenta right now. I feel like, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I used the idea of people are looking for 2009 Kenta, but I don't even know if it's that. I, and I find it really hard to believe that it's all about this Noah loyalty and, and New Japan. I, 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 there is that. But there's so many other people that have done something similar that I find it. And it's been five years since he's been here. I just find it a, a little bit amazing that there's still this. Why are, they, why are they busting his balls of all people? It just seems weird to me. I think they just haven't seen enough of him so far. I think he's saving himself for one or two really epic matches. Probably the Okada one. But um, any other thoughts on this Archer-Kenta match before we move Great on? Great match. Four. I gave it four. Um, and once again, it was a nice nice way to kick off kick off a, a G1. You know what I mean? It's always these first matches for, for the block. They set the bar every fucking night. And it's like, okay, beat this. Um, some of them do. Uh, but a lot of them don't. And... And I think that's I think that's I like that idea of them of the first match setting the pace of the night and uh, and setting it high. I thought they did. It was a good match, real good match. The next match was the first battle of Lij, where Evil defeated Sonada in eighteen minutes eleven with the uh, Evil. First of all, Damon, what do you think of Sonada's new T-shirt? Um, it was okay. I mean, I don't. What was it again? Help me out. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a picture of it okay, on yeah, WhatsApp please. so oh, you can consult it. I think it's horrific. It's one of the worst pieces of oh, merchandise yeah. I've ever seen from this company. This is pretty. I mean, look, pro wrestling T-shirts usually stink, right? It's hard for me to wear them outside of the house. I rarely wear them outside of the house. Let's be truthful. I'll wear the Lions Mark. I'll wear. I got a Zach one that's pretty cool, but it looks more like a punk rock T-shirt, like an old school punk rock T-shirt than anything else. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is multi levels of shit, <laughs> to be honest. And here's the thing: the T-shirt doesn't fit him. Like his T-shirts are usually pretty cool, the ones with the, the, the you know little skeletons, and it's like Treno Mas, blah 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 blah, you know, or whatever Spanish he's speaking. Um, those are usually pretty cool because they're simple and basic. And you, here's here's the key. To a pro wrestling t-shirt. If people don't know it's a pro wrestling t-shirt, it's fucking great. If you know it's a pro wrestling t-shirt, it's usually shit. Um, this is, I would put this in the shit bucket. This is in the shit bucket, Joel. Yeah, not his best effort. I wonder how much creative input he's got on that. I mean, surely you can't have been pleased when they showed him that. 
Right. It's just it's a really ugly sort of cartoonish version. It doesn't look anything like it. But I used to read a comic called The Dandy. There was a character, Desperate Dan, with a massive chin. He looks like Desperate Dan. Doesn't it like Sonata at all? Yeah, it doesn't look like anything. Like, you're not tough in this. You're not... Like, you look like you're... I don't know. You look like a... I don't know. Like, you just... You don't look cool. <laughs> like, this is not a cool look. I don't, I don't know. And the fling, I don't know. This It's just not. This is all kinds of awful. This is something you would buy at a Harley Davidson store. <laughs> so, <laughs> stinks. Not even a good Harley Davidson store. I, all right. Yeah. Um, thumbs down. Thumbs down. <laughs> Chernob- that by the way, the it's size. Chernobyl shit. That's what it is. This is Chernobyl levels <laughs> of shit, this t shirt. <laughs> all right. So, we need a listener to take a photo of themselves at Chernobyl wearing this T-shirt yeah. to really upset Damon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what. It's your money. If you want to buy it, a, a shirt like that, knock yourself out. But pff, you, you're, you're a better person than I am because I ain't wearing that fucking Buy a Super J-Cast T-shirt instead. Yeah, really. We got, we got, at least we look halfway decent on our, on our pictures, on our, on our T-shirt. I mean, we look fun. We look like we're having a good time. We got scampy and everything. We're doing the Young Bucks pose. Which is now outdated, <laughs> but eh, whatever. Come on. All right. What else? Uh, what was uh, next on this? this these right, fine this shows. Right. Well, one thing that made me laugh at the start of this match was Kevin Kelly saying, uh, "Chris stirring up all the boys on Twitter." That made oh, me yeah. laugh. Kevin. Well, is, can we put that to bed now? Sharp time, sharp wit. Yeah. In what sense? Go ahead. What, what, I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, it, it seems like He's it's back. all. It feels like it, right? It feels like everything's back to where it needs to be. It didn't feel like he had any reduced roles on any of these shows, right? Um, no, it's, it's perfect the way it is. Yeah, I think. I, and here's the thing: whatever it was, please don't think that we had nothing to do with it because <laughs> we did. I think. I think our listeners, um, and I think many others, uh, had their voices heard, and I think that. I don't, I don't think that there is any doubt in my mind that the New Japan Pro Wrestling fandom, at, at the very least, played a role in making, making this right. Making this right. Um, whatever, whatever that means. Now, making it right might mean, hey, everything's the same and uh, nothing was changed and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Whatever, whatever you want to put out there, great. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that something changed and something came, went back to normal and the way that it should be. So everyone's happy. seems like everybody's getting along. seems like uh, TV networks are uh, un- understand management. Everybody knows. So we can, we can put this one to bed. We can lay this one to rest. We, we did a good job here, people. And uh, all is right in the world. All right. That's that. All right, so the Evil versus Sonata match itself, uh, I thought I had a nice hot start with the, the drop kicks, the moonsault attempts, uh, paradise slot reversals, there were some nasty barricade spots, and Evil and Sonata using each other's moves. Obviously, you know, they're stable mates, so that's the kind of thing that made sense. Crowd was really hot for it because uh, Sonata is very popular with these uh, Japanese fans. I thought it lost its way a little bit. It was a bit too long for my short attention span. But I thought it was a pretty good match either way. Um, I just come out of this with a question. Can well, First of all, I think Evil is having a really good G1. I think he's been underrated so far. And I think he's delivered in all of his spots. Mm-hmm. But my question about Sanada is, can he... You know, We were talking last week about Evil being only as good as the guy that he's wrestling, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. 
and he's doing well this tournament. My question about Sonata, a lot of people are saying that he's got star potential, that he should get pushed more than he is, and they love him, they think he's charismatic, they think he's a great wrestler. Can he lift an inferior opponent? Because for me, I think he's having a really good G1. I'm just talking generally here. Over the last year, it's been kind of hit and miss whether he he matches the level of his opponent, whether a a Sonata match is more than the sum of its parts. What are your thoughts on this Evil versus Sonata match? I liked it. I thought I think Sonata has had an outstanding G one, and I an outstanding and in three matches, I find him more entertaining, more uh, that fire. I guess that we were talking about before that that energy that I I don't know, but whatever it is, whatever that thing is that we feel is missing. In three matches, I've I've felt it from him. I felt it hard. <laughs> Don't isolate that audio ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. He must be looking around and seeing uh, new signings. You know, like guys like Kenta, and Moxley, and seeing guys from the junior division coming up. You know, Ospreys, your Shingos. Seeing guys having career resurgences like Lance Archer and looking over his shoulder and thinking, shit, I better pull my finger out here. Otherwise, I'm going to get lost in the shuffle. And he has pulled his finger out. And yeah, I've been impressed with his output so far. It's It seems a clear step above his G1 output last year, where technically it was all there, but it just seemed to be lacking that je ne sais quoi. Yep, yep, that 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 secret spice. Uh and and I, and I've mentioned it on our Discord that he he particularly has had an outstanding G one already. Can he lift people? I I do. I think he has the talent to be able to do it. Has he done it? No. You're right. He it, it that's hit or miss. Look, I don't know if he is, and and I think they even mentioned it um, during the Abushi match they being Kevin, Rocky, and Chris, where these guys are on the cusp of being the guys, right? Being on the Mount Rushmore, being uh, the top people in the company. And they're not quite there yet. They're like inches away. And I think a lot of that feeling has to do with that inconsistency, right? Sonata matches are usually good. Good's not good enough. <laughs> I hate to I hate to be that guy, but that's that's the honest to God truth. Good is just not good enough. Not not in this company. Not in this company. Um, I think they've been too long as well. Like the Don Taku match, it's not like thirty eight minutes or something right. ridiculous like that. And I think most wrestlers are going to struggle to make a thirty eight minute match exciting and compelling. Right. So I don't know if it's just a case of. Is having shorter matches to maybe 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 if you're maybe a Sonata match has to be under thirty minutes because because when you stress I don't even think Sonata fans want to see a Sonata match go over thirty minutes right twenty minutes fifteen minutes that's a, that's a nice sweet spot for him because yeah the longer it goes it does feel like it's like okay 
yeah, we're we're really we're stretching things things thin here. I don't know. It might it, that might be as, it might be as simple as that, but it just feels like he has a certain energy. Um, getting off of him, I think Evil. Yeah, I think Evil's had a had, had a great, a, a very good tournament. Like I wouldn't put him at the top of the pack for guys so far. Um, and we could talk about that later, but like he's middle of the pack, which let's be truthful. If you put that middle of the pack on just about any other promotion show, they're probably one of the best performers of the night. Right. Uh, unfortunately on this roster, again, middle of the road is, is, is great, but not super great. Like we have on the main events of these shows. Um, evil can deliver. I don't worry about – I'll tell you what. I don't worry about Evil as much as I do Sonata in a big – in a big spot, who would you rather have, Sonata or Evil? Main event, big show, who would you rather have to, to, to give you the great match? For my personal taste, uh, I like Evil more than Sonata. But I understand – I mean, if I'm sort of being unbiased and booking it for, let's say, a, a Japanese New Japan audience, then – I think Sonata seems a bit more popular at the moment, but I just feel evil. It's a bit more urgency and intensity to his matches. Do the finishes mean anything to you in, in pecking order? Like, like who got, um, the, like, like who got the win? Is is that now? Are we positioning Lij members in in that order now? I don't think so. No, me neither. I'm just thinking in terms of what's happened early this year where we've had Sonata as a finalist in the New Japan Cup, having a great run to the final and then having a big title match at Dontaku, whereas Evil hasn't come anywhere close to achieving anything like that. Right, right, right. I agree with that. You think this well, is... Not a- since, what, late 20, 2017 when he had his challenge against Okada. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while. All right. Did you like this match? I liked it a lot. I thought it was good. I mean, are you... Yeah. I don't think. Here's the thing: Is there any? Let's let's just lay it out here. Anything on this show below four stars? Uh, Okada Fale, I didn't have mm-hmm. uh, four stars. Yeah. Let's, okay. Um, well, okay. Before we move on to that, I do have a question from Oliver who says: Sonata versus Evil was great. Do you see them tagging? Just tagging again after the G1 or having singles runs? I'd really like to see singles runs. I, Me too. I don't know this the the tag run. Maybe it's just the the booking has been very stale and lack of fresh opponents because it seems like they've been feuding with Gorillas of Destiny for like two years. But I don't want to see that tag team anymore. Me neither. I, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. It feels, like, it feels like I've seen it forever. I don't think we're, that's the end of it. You know what I mean? I don't think that's the end of seeing them together, but yeah. yeah. It's just, it just seems like lazy to get yeah. to the end of the year Think okay, we don't have any meaningful singles programs for Evil and Sonata. Let's have them win the World Tag League again and win the belts at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't want that anymore. I think we need to move past that. Yep, and I think that that by doing that, in essence, what you're saying is is I don't I don't have a creative bone in my body or give a fuck about the tag titles, right? Because there's so many. Look again, we we do it every fucking show, but it's like we could just sit down for 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 15 seconds and come up with five teams that could compete for the fucking tag titles um, that would feel fresh and interesting and entertaining and exciting. And I hate to say it, but Evil and Sonata are not a part of that mix. And it just feels like you're just going back. You know what I mean? It just feels like you're playing the greatest fucking hits when it comes to boring tag teams. Let's just stay away from that. Let's just start fresh 
with a, a total two two. Bra- Here's what I would love. I would love for two brand new tag teams to fight over the title. Two completely new tag teams to fight over the title. That's maybe one of the reasons why I'm just so sick and tired sometimes of factions. Because because what factions do is they lead to, oh, Evil and Sonata for the tag titles. You know what I mean? Like, I just want I want different. I want something different. Oh, G.O.D. for the tag titles. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? It's just... Give me something different. Two separate teams fighting for the tag titles. That's what I want. Yeah, I, I don't even think we're blaming Evil and Sonata for not no. going out no. having good tag matches. I mean, I, I remember their Wrestle Kingdom 12 match with Kira Elite Squad. That was fucking great. That was one of my favorite matches on the whole show. And it was fresh. It was exciting. It was dynamic. I thought they were a great counterpoint to the two big monsters of Davy Boy and Lance. But, yeah, it's just a, a booking problem. I do have a, a fresh tag team idea, which was hinted at in backstage comments, but I'll, I'll come up at you with that later. Um, actually, on the topic, they uh, RevPro have announced like a little tag tournament with the winners getting a shot at the tag titles at Royal Quest, I believe. So have you seen these lineups? Anyone jumping off the page? Any early favorites for you there? I haven't seen the lineups. I, I don't know anything about this. This is, uh, this is all fresh news to me. What, what, what teams we got? Do you know? Well, it seems the early favorite, a lot of people are talking about Aussie Open. What do you think of Aussie Open? I like them a lot. I think that that's... I mean, look, usually these Rev Pro tournaments and Rev Pro big shows are launching points for people. Right, we've seen it a trillion times. We saw it with Osprey. We see it with El Fantasmo. Uh, why not? A, why not a, a jumping point for a tag team? I, I'll take that, and I'll take that tomorrow. Sign me up. Let's fucking do that. Uh, I, again, I think New Japan has plenty of teams that they could, you know, they have plenty of combinations of guys that aren't doing shit that they could fit in that tag title scene. Bringing in someone new might not necessarily answer those questions. It's fresh, and I would take that team. I, I kind of feel like there's a lot of teams and possibilities there. But, yeah, I mean, I think – I mean, listen, that's a name everybody knows, and, and we know the output. So, yeah, why not? Fucking look uh, – I've got I'll some other uh, – uh, I did – I've looked up who the other tag team. So we've got Dan Maloney and MK McKinnon. We have T. White Wolf, Carlos Roma, and A-Kid. I've heard a lot of good things about them and seen some outstanding matches from A-Kid. We also have the Rascals, Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz. And we have a team of Gabriel Kidd and Sean Jackson and a team of Kenneth Halfpenny and Brendan White. So I don't know too much about a lot of those guys, but um, certainly Aussie Open, the Rascals, Team White Wolf, pretty big names in there. So hopefully... One of those teams can do something to inject a bit of life into the New Japan Tag Division. I think uh, I think we'll see. Uh, I think we'll see a little bit more of Aussie Open. Honestly, I think I think we'll see a little bit more of them. Right? But yeah, I people guess. have been talking about them for a while. Every time World Tag League rolls around, people are hoping or expecting Aussie Open to be taking part, but we haven't seen it thus far. So, yeah, maybe this is their chance. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to call it a tryout. By any stretch, but I think uh, let's put it this way: let's call this a showcase um, for possibly future stuff with them. So, eh, 
We'll see. All right. Uh, uh, and then, uh, again, I like this match. Again, I went around four on this one as well. Next match was Kazuchika Okada defeating Bad Luck Farley in 10 minutes 15 with a roll-up. I like the start of this. It was a nice shock start where Farley was making his entrance and then he just sort of dragged Okada out there um, without Okada getting his proper entrance. Uh, Okada then spent the first five minutes lying on the floor. So uh, Farley control periods can be a bit hit and miss. But this wasn't their best match, but it was short. It was it was decent. It was fairly inoffensive. I, I, I didn't mind this at all. And... You know, Farley gets a lot of criticism. I think he's doing fine in this G1 so far, and this match was fine. Yep. Uh, I mean, look, let's let's turn back the clock to last year and how people were just like, oh, you couldn't even sit through them. Like, you were just, you know, with the GOD stuff and the... And the well, we got the, six DQs, didn't oh, we? Oh, right. I mean... And it, yeah, you're right. It made it hard harder to swallow that, given that Tamatonga... And Jay White were also doing very similar shit. Right, right. I mean, I'll take this Fale over last year's Fale any day of the week. He's working hard. He's sweating. <laughs> I don't think there's a man alive that sweats more than Bad Luck Fale in the ring. Name me an- if you could name another person that sweats. He has to lose gallons of of of, of water. It's unbelievable how that man sweats. Uh, and he's trying hard. I, you can't say he's not trying hard. It feels like he's trying hard. He's just very limited right now. Next year, gun to your head. Are you putting Fale in this dog? I don't think so. I wouldn't personally because I think Lance Archer fills that spot of the big monster heel. And I think there are other guys that you could bring in to fill up the slot in Bullet Club if you need to have a big monster in Bullet Club as well. And I think there is value to uh, to the company from Farley from talent perspective because he's doing great work with the Farley Dojo. So I think that he his role in the company is going to be transitioning to I, more I of think a so. sort of behind-the-scenes kind of thing. And I think that's good, right? I think that's always the end goal for a lot of pro wrestlers. Um, I just, and I don't worry about it. Like I don't sit there and with sweaty palms thinking about it, but I think it's pretty evident that he struggles in the ring, right? He struggles. He feels like he's, whatever weight he lost doesn't look like, it looks like he found it, right? Um, and he, he, he seems even more lumbering now than he ever was. And it just looks like this is a little bit of a struggle for him. And again, he's trying. He's 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 working as he's working very hard. Um, I can't say the matches are great, but they're they're, they're good. And they're good. They're good. I just don't. I just think that there's. I don't know. I just think that there's better options. Right for G one, I think there's better options. Um, and again, I just worry about him just maintaining this pace for. What do we got? We're we're a third of the way through. <laughs> those those hot buildings, you know, Japan in the middle of summer. Uh, talk about hot and humidity. I don't know. I, he can't be loving life right now. Let's put it that way. He can't be loving life. He he. Folly seems like a guy that looks really forward to those tag matches. He really does. He looks forward to. Uh, uh, 
the other block taking taking the heavy lifting. Um, and you can see, like every one of his matches, you got five guys at fucking ringside. You got shenanigans. You got, you know, weird finishes, odd finishes, just stuff like a lot of smoke and mirrors. Right? There's a lot there. Fale is like me in the bedroom at this point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of fucking foreign objects and fucking. I got I got people making tags. So I'm, I'm all over the place. It, you know what I mean? Like at this point, that's what it is. Jado you know? coming in with a kendo stick. Yeah, whacking. You know, Chase Owens coming in. You know, it, it, a lot of smoke and mirrors. So, uh, for the benefit of everyone, I think next this might this might be a good idea to revisit. Come April and May. Let's let's sit Fale out. Let's sit Fale out. And again, but Joe, again, with this said, he he's trying hard. I can't fault the guy for not trying hard. It's just that, you know, come on, it's it's you, you're not you're not in the best of shape. I'll tell you what. I you know what I would really like if if in fact he w- were to go back in next year. And this is me saying it, mind you. But I'm not a pro wrestler. Get in shape. Get in a little bit better shape. It'll do you. It'll do you a world of good. He just doesn't feel like he's in. He's in the career frame of mind of yeah. Let me go hit the fucking gym. He's more like eh. Let me go knock down a couple beers and get some ramen. Living the best life. All right. Next match then was uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in thirty minutes fifty six with a jackknife hold. So we got this story going on with Zack. He's getting frustrated and repeatedly losing. Maybe he's starting to rush things and not taking his time with his opponents. But I thought this was great. A really fantastic match. Really hot, grapply opening. And Tanahashi's grappling is very different to Zack. So Zack's is more visually spectacular and less true to life, I, I dare say. He's doing maneuvers that obviously would not fly in a real you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu match or, or grappling match or whatever. But Tanahashi's grappling is seems more pure, shall we say, because he's got the the amateur wrestling background, if I'm not mistaken. So I thought it was quite interesting seeing them do their grappling together on the mat. And not everyone would agree, but I found that really absorbing. I, I found that exciting to watch. And it was also interesting. There was, again, more dueling chance here. There were Tana chance and also Zaku chance, which I, I found quite interesting, Zach being a heel and all. And then just little touches like Zach fish hooking Tanner when he was on the defensive and you know putting his hands all over Tanahashi's face. Uh, really cool sequence of flash pin reversals. I found that really mesmerizing. A little backslide war going on. Uh, Zach, you know, giving stick for not taking good bumps. He took a great bump off the sling blades in this match. And I just liked the, it paid off the story at the end that Zach couldn't kick out of that jackknife because Tanahashi had worked over his knee. So he wasn't able to kick out of that. And then afterwards, I don't know if you've seen the backstage promo where Zach got really upset and started ripping the wallpaper off. Yeah. Do you, Are you surprised? I mean, you, you, you have to figure, and again, not to give away our, our, our show here, but, you know, Zach finally gets on the board. But and to this point, there were a lot of people that were not only low that you that are pretty shocking, but over, you know, no points. 
I mean, the two that, to me, were glaring, aside from Naito, because you knew that was going to eventually turn itself around, but Zach being one of them, and Jay White, too. Um, I don't... I don't know if anybody in their right mind sat down with their pickums and said, of all the people, give me a guy that's going to go pointless going into this this night and and continue that streak. Zach? What, what do you think's going on there? I just think it's the nature of the opponents he's been given. I think the uh, Sanada loss was a touch of 50-50 booking going on because he'd just beaten him in Rev Pro. Right. The, uh, his next match was Okada, and Okada's a heavyweight champion, so you can't really read too much into that about his standing in the company because not many people are going to beat Okada in this G1. And the Tanahashi thing, again, he's already beaten Tanahashi. Oh, they've exchanged victories. So Tanahashi right. beat him in the New Japan Cup. And then Zach beat him in MSG. And, I mean, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see the rest of the G1 play out. But I think there's a fair chance that that might lead to a rematch at Royal Quest. I mean, we don't know yet. But if that is the case, then I've given you three solid reasons why Zach went 0-3 in his opening three matches. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't want to say I'm disappointed by that. Because it will make a compelling story. Because now what Zach is, is a guy who's going to fuck up somebody else's run. Right? Because you know he's, he's got Kenta on the last day, I think. So maybe he's going to spoil mm. Kenta. You know what I mean? So I think, again, every loss means something. And every win means something. Especially if you're holding a title of any kind, of any sort. But, yeah, you, you got to look at his later, you know, his later tournament. And think, okay, Zach's going to be playing that spoiler role. He's going to fuck up somebody's run uh, because you know he's not going to wind up with you know two points or four points. He's going to collect some wins at the end. So I liked this match a lot. I did. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was great, but there were moments where it was just like, oh, so fucking good. And Tana, I don't care. I, listen, I don't care what anybody says. I, I, I and 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 listening to it really just is I just eye roll. He does so much by doing so little. Like I don't, I'm really, really, really trying to think of a guy in pro wrestling that can deliver such meaningful moments in a match, and and and, and impactful moments in a match by not doing. A whole hell of a lot, right? Everything he did was smooth. And you're right. I love the flash pin reversals and all, but nothing really was out of control. Nothing was really like one of the like like this. What again? The two different guys, Will and Will and Tana, right? Or even even Okada to a certain degree. The two separate guys. Their, their, their bodies are are in two separate levels of 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 physical condition. But it just I just I marvelled at the way that he. Tanahashi can deliver a match. And again, I don't want to say d- does nothing because that's not true at all. But it just, man, there's not a lot of moments where you're just like, oh, fuck, why did you do that? And yet, 
you walk out of there thinking, wow, everything meant something. Everything was, was – and everything's solid, of course, and everything's crisp. But it's just everything, everything meant something. That's what I really enjoy about his shit. Everything means something. And it's just so subtle and so smooth and so ah, – he's a pro wrestler. He's a fucking pro wrestler's pro wrestler is what he is. So good. So good. And, and again, this match was very good. Not great. Very good. Um, and again, in, in the fours for me too. I think it's something we discussed last time, isn't it, about Tanahashi needing to adapt his style if he wants to have the kind of longevity that I'm sure he does. So things like all the high-fly flows, all of that sort of stuff, you know, the kind of table spots that he did at Wrestle Kingdom, maybe put that to one side and work more matches again like we said last time like the Kushida match he had this year like this the, the Zach matches that he's had where he is able to use his grappling skills in a way that's exciting and compelling without causing him trauma to his his joints which I'm sure you probably taken quite a beating over the years and I love the fact though even with that said and I agree 100% in a big spot in a big moment he will bring out that you know high fly float to the floor or something along those lines. Or, you know, and again, he's saving that for a big building. And he's saving that for a big spotlight moment. But he does it smart. He does it sparingly. And he, does it, he doesn't need to do it every match. And you're right. He does kind of work to his opponent and his opponent's strength. But he still make, has it make sense. And that's, that, that says something to me. Oh, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here pumping up Hiroshi Tanahashi, arguably the greatest wrestler in the past 20 years. So... Okay, I, I I don't think he needs to hear from me. I think he's I, I think he's got his place in history without me pumping him up. All right. Speaking of guys picking their spots and working a smart, safe style, let's talk about Kota Ibushi defeating Will Ospreay twenty-seven minutes sixteen following the Kamigoye. Now you laugh, but the big story leading into this match was the injuries. So it was a lot of talk about Will Ospreay having a bad neck. He missed the undercard tag match on the previous show. And Kota Ibushi tweeted out a photo of, I mean, I assume it was his ankle. Maybe it was someone else's ankle. I don't know. But a very badly bruised ankle. So a lot of people were worried that this match was not going to take place. And then you get the story, okay, Will's going for the doctor's check. And okay, the doctor's cleared to wrestle. The match is back on. And then everyone's breathing a big sigh of relief. Oh, thank goodness. And that was a really smart way to allow these guys, at the start of the match at least, to work a, a slower, safer pace without disappointing anyone because most people, given all this build-up, would just relieve that the match is actually happening. Now, I'm sure these guys are hurt. I'm not saying it's a complete work, but what I'm suggesting, Damon, this might sound crazy. I'm, I'm going to throw it out there anyway. There is a possibility that these two professional wrestlers are exaggerating ah! the extent of their injuries for dramatic effect. Oh my goodness gracious! In pro wrestling, and it played into the match. <laughs> yeah, and it worked really well here. It started very almost gentlemanly, very sporting, doing the clean breaks, and then Ibushi's like, "Fuck that! I want the two points," and went straight after Osprey's neck. And then Osprey follows suit. He's dropping Kota's leg on the guardrail, and at that point, you're thinking, "Okay, these guys are probably all right. They're not going to die out there." So we had a very slow and methodical build around you know, things like neck cranks and yeah. the like, which would have been disappointing or even boring without the injury backstory. But 
the way that they built it up, it was very compelling because you, you know the story going into it. And, and commentary did a great job establishing that. And then when we got the harder-hitting stuff, like uh, the German suplex to Osprey, and then Osprey stomping on Kota's ankle, it's very dramatic. And then you get the escalation. Like Kota did the sort of rites of passage style reverse driller, and, and the crowds are just hanging on every single tease of these big moves. And, and as a viewer, you know... That sooner or later, they're going to be doing all the crazy, wild, dangerous moves. That's what we all signed up for. But the journey they took you on to get there, very well executed. And then when they teased those ultra moves, the, the super dangerous ones, like uh, the dragon suplex on the top turnbuckle, this time there's a part of you that's saying, don't do it, you're going to hurt him. Yeah. Whereas you might normally just have the voice that's saying, fuck yeah, drop him on his head. Right. Um, we, we did get a lot of the horny chimp grunting from Osprey, but given the circumstances, I'll allow it because it made sense in this match. Uh, and this was just paced so brilliantly that by the time Ibushi tries to do the second rope German suplex and, and Will lands on his feet, Will's like, you motherfucker, you tried to kill me. And that hidden blade that he did after that, Jesus oh. Christ, I, oh. I expect your coat is there to go spinning off into Rosie. It's, Damon, it's two men trying to kill each other for a couple of G1 points. This is what we're here for. That's exactly what we're here for, right? That you, you nailed it. That, I, I mean, look, to me, I'm going to go to my grave remembering that fucking, what's it called? Hidden Blade, whatever the fuck you call it. That shot, I swear to you, I thought he killed him. I thought he took his fucking head off. Um, and here's the thing, too. Like, I love the fact, I like, I, here's what I love. And a G1 brings it out. One, yes, smart, not even smart paced, but smart, of course, I'm going to work on the neck. Of course, I'm going to work on the ankle, right? Because those are, those are the cards that have already been laid out for everybody. Everybody knew this. So it would be absolutely ridiculously stupid to not, right? But it, yeah, you're right. It does feel like it, it was smart. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say safe with those two lunatics in a ring. But for a dramatic effect, you're right. That that one spot, that one you know false German suplex from the from the uh, the corner, yeah, everyone was gasping, myself included. Ah, oh, don't land on your fucking head, and you know these maniacs would do it. And right, that oh that oh, I swear I thought he took his head. I love tough guy Will. That's my point. What I was trying to. I love tough guy Will. I love. Uh, I love Will realizing that he has to be considered able to compete with the heavyweight big boys. I got to bring out some fucking heavy artillery, and that is one of them. That that I'll tell you what. And again, I don't want to fast forward and talk about other matches before we get there. But there are going to be two moments in G1 so far, two spots that you, you're you going to go to your grave remembering. And and one is that, that shot against Ibushi, and one was a big boy chop against Okada that sounded like a fucking gunshot going off, right? Again, I love big boy Will. I love uh, tough guy Will because, again, you're establishing him as being able to hang with the big boys, being be able to hang with the heavyweights. Oh, and it does he lay those fuckers in. God damn. And and again, 
relative. I mean, I don't know how. And here's the thing, too. You know, I talk, you talk about relatively safe and all. That shot. That's. I mean, that that pretty much is a callback spot to to Wrestle Kingdom, right? Where where Abushi gets laid out, concussed, right? And 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 away you go. Talk about a callback spot. So again, great match. Lived up to the hype for me. Um, I, I didn't necessarily need to see 55,000 fucking moves in the first three minutes. I think they played it smart. Uh, I went four and a half. I went four and a half on this one. Did you enjoy this more than their Wrestle Kingdom match? I did. I did. Yeah, I did. I thought I, I felt like, I think the biggest complaint with Wrestle Kingdom match was, it, was that it felt rushed. I mean, they had us cram 10 pounds of shit in a five-pound bag. Um, even though it, you know, they gave them as much time as they possibly could for that opening match, more than we thought, but it still felt rushed. This felt like it had plenty of time to breathe. I thought it was smartly laid out. It gave you everything that you want in those dangerous spots. It gave you everything that you wanted in the teases of those dangerous spots. There was hard hitting shit. And again, to me, you're going to walk away from that, that match remembering once again, that fucking brutal shot Osprey laid in on, on, on Ibushi. Absolutely. I thought it was better. Let's move on to Friday, July 19th, also at Karakuen Hall, and straight to the G1 matches where we had Shingo Takagi defeating Taichi in 14 Holy minutes 40 shit. with Last of the Dragon. Woo! This is my kind of shit, Damon. I, I love this. Oh. You just beating seven shades of shit out of each other. The, the exchanging the lariats, axe bombers... Tai Chi no selling backdrops, just a barrage of high kicks. I thought Tai Chi was at his absolute best here. Strong style Tai Chi. Shingo is great too. I mean, this is your sort of archetype never title match from you know the the the, the best kind of never title matches that you can remember. I love this. I mean, how can anyone watch this and complain about Tai Chi being in the G One? This is great. Great. This this was hands down my favorite Tai Chi match of all time. Hands down. No, no, no fucking question about it, right? Yeah, no, no one's complaining about this Tai Chi. Trust me, no one. I can't believe I'm saying this in, in the year 2019. This was one of my favorite G1 matches. I was off of my couch cheering. I'm begging fucking Shingo. And, and you know what? Here's the thing, too. I don't care who you are and what side of the fence that you're on on this Tai Chi bullshit. If you're pro, if you're anti, don't give a shit. You were invested because guess what? For all those moments that you hate Tai Chi, all those moments where you're like, get the fuck up the street, Tai Chi, guess what? You were begging Shingo to lay in that motherfucking lariat Lay in that axe bomber. Lay lay in those suplexes. Beat the fuck out of them, right? And guess what? It happened. It did happen. So you were cheering the whole way. And you were hoping for that motherfucker junior to get a win. And if you're on the other side of the fence and you're pro Tai Chi, you're standing there saying, motherfucker, you're standing toe-to-toe with a guy who legitimately is a badass and you're going toe-to-toe with this guy and you're right there with them, and you're kicking out of monster shit, and you're delivering monster shit, you couldn't have been happier. And you're sitting there saying, 
All right, this match is shutting the fuck up all those assholes who are anti-Tai Chi. All those people can't stand the lip singing and the fucking nonsense and the bullshit gimmick. You were sitting there with your fucking fingers pointing at people being like, ha, fuck you. Look at this shit. He could deliver. And guess what? We both won. Both groups won. Because this match delivered. I went, dude, I, I was really considering going higher than four and a half. And, and I, 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 and I am. I'm going higher than four and a half. I can't go five. But this was really great. And again, we're talking about Will. We're talking. Shingo was fucking amazing. Shingo, to me, it, look, this, there are a couple of dogs in this race. But Shingo is in this race for Wrestler of the Year. He's, 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 he, at the very least, is in that conversation. And that's an amazing thing to me. It, it isn't, it isn't. You know he could deliver. It's more of, okay, is this company going to put him in a position to be able to deliver these type of performances? And they have. That's stupid. So, yeah, this, was, this is a highlight for me. This was a match that uh, I think is an early candidate, at least in contention, for G1 match of the year. I would not be surprised, Joel, if I saw this match getting some votes at year-end awards. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I can't praise it enough. Um, it gave you everything you wanted in pro wrestling, and then some. I was all in. I was off, off. I was doing the lands of pace. Well, not really the pace. I was just jumping up and down. And my wife's sitting next to me. She's looking at me like I'm a maniac. I was into this match, Joel. I, I totally loved it, and one, one of the best so far of the year. What a joy. What an absolute joy this grade one climax is. And who would have thought a year ago, two years ago, that we'd have... Damon McDonald, let's let this sink in. Damon McDonald awarding a Tai Chi match four and three quarter stars. Yeah. What planet are we living on? This what planet great. are we living on? Look, but here's the thing, Joel, and, I, and I've said this a trillion times until I'm blue in the face. I'm, if, if it's good, I'm going to tell you. I don't give a shit who it is. I don't care. I, look, if they put a match like this on at SummerSlam, between, I don't know, I'm going to pick random two. Kofi Kingston and uh, Kevin Owens. I would, be, I would be all over it, right? Uh, trust me, I don't care who it is. If they do it, they do it, right? They did it. Now, look, let's be truthful here. Shingo had, 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 had a lot to do with that, okay? <laughs> Shingo had a lot to do with it, but that's okay. You make, again, you're, you make do with who's in the ring, Right, you make do with who's in the ring with you, and and this was spectacular. I loved. I'm telling you right now, I fucking loved this match. I think this is really good because you and a lot of other people were worried at the start of this tournament that Taichi was going to drag down people like Shingo with his bullshit, but it hasn't been the case so far. I think. Uh, I, I mean, personally, I've enjoyed all of Taichi's matches so far in this G1, and there's been a bit of bullshit there. But again, what I love about the Taichi character in kayfabe is that he's a guy who I think deep down knows he's not quite good enough to win these matches with the big names if he plays fair. So he's got to rely on all the shenanigans and bullshit so he can get the advantage and piss people off and get in their heads. But he's got a lot of pride, he's got a big ego, and when he's got a tendency to get dragged into these 
sort of strong style kind of slugfests and then he can't help himself because he just gets pissed off and he just wants to trade with people and, and do all like the King's Road style, the stuff that he's learned from Kawada. And that to me is just what I find so compelling about Taichi is the, the dichotomy between the, the sleazy cheating scumbag and then the guy who just wants to go toe to toe and exchange uh, bombs with people. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the, the backstory of knowing who Taichi is, I think helps others enjoy this match more but in a bubble i would have absolutely zero problem being okay here's why i like pro wrestling and showing this match to a person and being okay watch this watch this uh i would have i would have no i would have no reservations doing that again having that backstory of knowing who tai chi is and knowing who shingo is and knowing their backstory and knowing that there are people like me that have has that might make me enjoy this match even more because maybe people like me who have res- reservations who have been let down before who have created a cartwheel death match in in a in a response to that disappointment it shut the shut us up there's no one there's no one that's saying uh you know, the usual suspects love this match. That's what makes me even happier. You know what I mean? I love I love being wrong. I love being I love people fucking putting up their fingers to my mouth and shh, you're wrong. I like that. It's fine. Especially in this situation when I can get pleasure and enjoyment from it. Great match, man. I'm telling you. I, I can't listen. I, I'm always going to have my reservations. Understand that. I'm always going to have my reservations. But let me tell you something. I can't go on this show and be like, oh, fucking Tai Chi. Because guess what? It's that. This year, especially, we've seen more good than we've seen bad from Tai Chi. Let's be honest. We've seen more good than we've seen bad from Tai Chi. That was fucking great. I know we're going on and on about this match, and we could probably talk about it for an hour. We've seen more good from Tai Chi. Than we have, so look. We need to t- people like me. We need to either change our minds, or we need to take a back seat with this, because the the proof of 2019 Tai Chi is that you're getting better than the shit that you hated. And if you're honest with yourself, you got to recognize that you're wrong. Wow, what a moment in the Super J cast. Uh, let's move on to the next match then. We had Jeff Cobb defeating Juice Robinson in 13 minutes 21 with Tour of the Islands. I thought this was good, really good match. Um, had some good moments. I like the respect between the two. Uh, some great spots. I love seeing the pulp friction being counted into the German suplex, uh, the top rope power bomb. But one little thing I've noticed about Jeff Cobb, Go ahead. well, two things actually. First, that he starts to launch himself for the bump before the movies even landed. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of moments like where Juice would charge him with a lariat and Jeff Cobb is off his feet before Juice has even made contact, yeah? And he also, in this match in particular, he says, oh shit, before each big move, which, Telegraph. I don't know, kind of sort of gives it away a bit. You, you, you know something's coming, doesn't it? Um, but I thought this was this was good. There was a, a nice finishing sequence. Yeah, pretty good match. And, I mean, I guess in another universe, this would be an ROH title match that does a good number. But uh, <laughs> no, we, we get Matt Taven versus Jay Lethal instead. So, uh, there you go. Uh, in, front what do you a, think? in front of an empty hammer sign. Um, oh, God. 
Hi, did you see pictures of that? Have you seen any pictures? It's, uh, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, fucking horrific. Absolutely horrible. Absolutely horrific. Anywho, um, I'm going to say this because I, li- I like Jeff Cobb. I do. I think he's good. I don't think he's had a great G1. I think he's had a – like if I – if we had to rank – and put people in 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 a ranking of who's knocking it out of the park and who's maybe not. I think Jeff is in that maybe not category. This match did did him no favors. It felt like they were not on the same page, Juice and Jeff. It felt a little awkward and a little sluggish, and even what you would consider normal, simple things seemed to be off right and i think when you mentioned you know him telegraphing shit and him um you know kind of you know a a step ahead in his bump that's that's what i'm seeing too it just didn't feel like especially this match it stuck out to me especially with everything especially coming off of what we just saw it just didn't feel like they were on the same page and that's going to happen but I haven't necessarily been blown away by Jeff Cobb. Now, the Ishii match, I thought was great, right? Maybe it was just an off night, right? But anytime anybody has an off night, to me, it's, it really sticks out. Because each and every performance, I mean, even a Fale, right? You know what I mean? Like a Fale, if, if I'm enjoying Fale matches over yours, something's, something's not right, right? Um. I don't know. It just and and you would think that there would be some level of familiarity and uh, uh, I mean, ability to to communicate on a pro wrestling level between these two guys, especially sharing the same language. Uh, I didn't feel this one. I felt I felt off. And truth be told, this was one of the one of the matches that I would probably put down the bottom of the pile. To be honest, I had I had to say it. This didn't hit the mark for me. Yeah, okay. I think I liked it more than you did, but I do have the same reservations about Jeff Cobb. I need to see, is there more to him than just a big guy who catches people, does suplexes, can do a standing moonsault? Yeah, because say, uh, yeah. at the moment, we, we, yeah, that's, no, no, that's all we're seeing so far. And a lot of people were making direct comparisons between him and... Michael Elgin. Ah, good. Given that you, you think Jeff Cobb is in the, the sort of spot that Elgin would have been, and mm-hmm. I mean, to me, Elgin is vastly superior wrestler. Yep. And people might disagree with that, but they're wrong. That's, that's how I feel right now. Right, and they're wrong because I, I would rather have Michael Elgin in that spot because I think I could not, not. I think I know Michael Elgin can deliver. So far, again, the Ishi match I thought was very good, very very good. Um, again, maybe I'm just kind of harping on one particular match. Um, let's let, I'll, I'll go so far as to say this. Let's, let's let it play out to the end, but gun to my head. If you were to say Cobb or Elgin, I'm going Elgin every day of the week as of right now. Cause here's let's the thing about the next, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Joe, I know I'm cutting you off. I'm <laughs> terrible today. You're going to be like, shut the fuck up. But, um, um, Elgin had a better match with Ishii. Yeah, last year's New Japan Cup. Yep. 
it, yeah. it was great because he, he like he dropped Ishii on his head and <laughs> helped. But yeah, okay, all right. I'm sorry, uh, I won't cut you off ever again. <laughs> I don't believe you. Neither do I. You cut me off any time, mate. That's, that's what you're here for. Um, next match was Toriano defeating Jay White in three minutes four seconds with a roll up. I liked Jay White's wake, waistcoat. It looked like something out of Three Musketeers. And this match was just prime shithousery. I loved it. I, I had a massive grin on my face. I love Yano spraying water into Jay White's face to count the Blade Runner. And then him, uh, Yano getting the brass knuckles off of Gato and then brass knuckle punch to the balls. Uh, again, this is just perfect for a Yano match. Very short. It's dramatic. It's exciting. And Yano gets another big scalp over a top contender. So he really can't beat anyone because... We uh, speculated after he beat Naito, we thought, well, maybe that's it. That's the only big scalp he's going to get. So there's no more drama in these near falls. But he's beaten Naito and he's beaten Jay White. Yeah. Look, I, it's not always my cup of tea in, say, like a a multi-man tag match. I don't necessarily need to see Yano doing his shtick. But the way – you can't sit here and tell me that a Yano match isn't super exciting when it's laid out like this. If every match is this sprint, and again, he might win most, he might win a few, he might lose the majority of them, which is makes sense. Where he gets, you know, he fucks himself over. But these are exciting. They're goofy. They're sprints. You don't know it's it's chaotic. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know how it's coming. A fucking brass knuck to the balls. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, three minutes. Give me a give me a better three minute match. Sprints. There's absolute sprints. And again, a level of excitement. I don't think you look. Nobody wants a 15 minute Yano match. Okay, let's be honest. Nobody wants that. We want a three minute. It could go either way. Flip a coin. Somebody gets fucking a nut shot and pinned. That's what we want. And when it's a surprise, again, Jay White, Jay White, he's over. Um, and again, losing to Yano, you, you would look, we all know, or we all think we know, Jay White is going to pick up some wins. But there are some Jay White fans that are just, their hands are in the air at this point. Like, what in the fuck is going on here? Um, you got to tip your cap. To, to, to New Japan in the sense of they do keep you on your toes. They do keep you on your toes because it's very easy to, to, to do these pick and pulls and be like, okay, this guy, this would make sense. And this guy, it seems like that just gets thrown out the fucking window at times. And it's, and it's, that's what makes it fun. You don't know who's going to win. You really don't. You think you do. And logically you would be like, ah, oh, let's do this. But then they throw a monkey wrench, Yano pinning Jay White in three minutes. Fucking great. Can't beat it. This is a tweet that I think was mentioned on Voices of Wrestling. It might have been on their flagship, but uh, it's from DJ Accident Report at Eric underscore Shorey, who says, Yano is just a silly ghost that haunts the G1. It's spot on. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Can't Can't complain about that one. But yeah, I definitely agree with you about the unpredictability of this G1 because I wasn't even sure making my predictions at the start who the two finalists were going to be. I've got no fucking idea now. So uh, anyway, let's go on to the next match, which was Tetsuya Naito defeating Hiroki Goto in 60 minutes with the Destino. 
I thought this was great. I really love this match. Uh, I've said this about a lot of matches, but this was particularly good. I love Goto choking Naito with the LA Dojo shirt. Um, it may just be me, but it seems like Goto's shown more fire since his mini excursion. He, he looked like he was just absolutely done with Naito's bullshit, and I love that. Uh, there were some nice moments here, like I like Goto countering the Combinacion Cabron with a meaty kick to the chest. The leg snap onto the apron was really good. And then Naito just nailing Goto's leg with drop kicks. And when Naito does leg matches, they're great. They're some of my favorite matches. Uh, great selling from Goto for the leg from that moment on. And this match just had a really terrific pace. And I know a lot of people don't like the finisher reversal dances that Goto does, but I'm a fan. I thought this was really enjoyable. Yeah. You know, we, I think we lead the, the charge when it comes to. Goto and his disappointments and all that. You know, we're 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 flag bearers in that camp. That being said, there's there's no way. Look, people to throw around, you know, a good hand when they throw around, you know, these these wrestling terms, right? He's a you know a solid hand or Goto is the definition of fucking solid hand. Like he you need to put him in a in a spot. The majority of the time, he's going to deliver, right? At least a very good. Now, listen. You can debate how how entertaining he is, how into the character you are, how uh, you can't invest anything in Goto because for whatever reason he's just going to disappoint. How his you know big matches you know he never comes up with a win and there's a reason for that or his promos or whatever you can find faults for the most part for the majority and there have been a couple of times where it's been like oh this match is not really delivered for the most part Hiroki Goto is a fucking fine pro wrestler real fucking good pro wrestler and you put him in the ring with Naito who can border on great, spectacular, at least very good the majority of the time. I think the odds are you're going to get something pretty good. And I think Goto does have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He better have a chip on his shoulder, right? Because, you know, we mentioned before, there are people just blazing past him. He wants to maintain wherever, whatever level he's at, he needs to fucking step it up and be consistent and do something with his but his character, his career, that'd be nice. But for a match, main event at Corkenhall or semi-main event, you know, this is solid. This was, this is really good. And Goto is a key piece to that being really good because he is a fucking good pro wrestler. I'm excited now to see some of his upcoming matches because I think stylistically he's got his best opponents ahead of him and I'm thinking specifically Shingo and Ishii because you know that he has bangers with Ishii but Shingo is a match we haven't seen before and you know that match is going to slap. Let me tell you something. That match, what, what, is that Hiroshima coming up? Uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know about that, but circle it, find it, and circle it because, yeah, that's one. That's one that is going to be really fucking great. And if Goto has that chip on his shoulder, and Shingo, who's had a, a, just a fantastic fucking year, stylistically, yeah, you're right. They, they, they it seems like on paper they mesh really well. I hope that I, I hope that delivers because because here's I'll, here's what I'll go so far as to say. <laughs> 
That's the type of match that could be a career-resurrecting match. That, that, that could be a career-resurrecting match for Goto. Put, put him in there with Shingo and have a, a fucking, just a, a blow-away 20-minute match. That could be a career-resurrecting match for Goto. Goto and Kenta making a takeover tag team. Pants up or pants down? Pants up. Pants up. That's that's exactly what I'm talking about when, when we're talking about you got plenty of talent here to make a fresh new challenge for a title. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. That would be perfect. I think perfect for both guys. Perfect. Main event of this show was John Moxley defeating Tomohiro Ishii in 20 Ooh. minutes 36 with the Death Rider. Oh, Pre-match promo, so this was really great. The night before, John Moxley's in particular was great when he was teaching Shota Uman about the five Ws or something. It was just just really intense and it made me very excited to see the match. And when they got in the ring together, they were getting in each other's faces. That was great. Then we had a big walk and brawl for the first five minutes. Um, Moxley must have been watching a lot of Big Japan because he went straight for that East sign. Not a lot of action here. Um here's the problem I may have worked myself into a bit of a shoot with Moxley matches because doing the bump counts and all of that I was watching this with a more critical eye than I usually would have done and if I see like when I see in a big match like a big main event match guys go brawling into the stands at Krakowin then I'm either expecting something to happen that's going to play into the rest of the story of the match, or I want to see someone go down those fucking stairs like Hiromu and Ishimori did. So I, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm being overly critical. Maybe I shouldn't be too harsh on John Moxley having a walk and brawl in the stands at Caracol and Hall because I think this is something that everyone expected him to do. So yeah, maybe if I took my critics hat off, I would have appreciated this a bit more. But then after this big walk and brawl, he slapped on a really long chin lock. And I was sitting there thinking, not sure about this one. I feel that Moxley's matches are driven largely by his character and his aura rather than the in-ring action. Like the chair duel. That was just a big character thing. It wasn't wasn't actually much happening in, in terms of you know the technical output of the wrestling match. But that said, he is trying some new moves. He's got a decent drop kick. The flying knees look good, and he did definitely take his fair share of bumps here. It was well above five. I, I stopped counting by the end because I can't have any complaints about the amount of bumps he took in this match. Um, I want to talk again how fucking great Ishii is. Frog splash through a table. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, I, but yeah, I, this was a good match. It was a really good match. I don't wow. think I'm as high as no. most other people. Um, there are a few spots that I thought looked a bit silly. I thought the headbutts looked a bit daft, and then catching each other's sliding lariat attempts. Um, yeah, I thought that was a bit cheesy, but uh, this was a good match. It was an oh. exciting match, but I didn't enjoy it as much as most people, I think. Wow. I'm actually a little bit surprised. I really liked it. Um, yeah, I mean, everything that you said was true, right? I just felt like there was an energy and a... There is a feeling that he has, that he brings, that to me, makes it okay for things to be a little bit off kilter and for things to be a little bit sloppy and for things to be a little bit, uh, you know, I'm not looking for technical soundness when it comes to John Moxley. I'm looking for that energy and I'm looking for that brawl and I'm looking for, and there's no one else in this tournament that feels like him. And there's no one in this tournament that, 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 that has 
that again that energy and that and that presence of being a complete wild card. I don't have a problem with the walking brawl. Um, in fact, I kind of figured. I, well, truth be told, I, you never know when it's going to happen or if it's going to happen. But if it's going to happen, it's going to happen there. So okay, that didn't shock me. But I but I liked it. I thought it was fine. I thought it, I thought it played into who he is and what he does. Like, look, I really don't think you're going to see technical skillfulness when it comes to John Moxley matches. You're going to see brawl, more brawling than anything else. You're going to see more. Ugh, I, I was going to say deathmatch style, but that's certainly not what we're looking at here. Um, there is, I don't know, I like the idea of it completely being completely different. You're going to get something completely different in this tournament. Um, and I liked it. I liked it with Ishii. I thought it was, I liked the match a lot, Joel. Like, again, I'm not looking for perfection in moves. I'm not looking for technical excellence. I expect chairs to be thrown around, and I expect tables to be thrown around, and I expect crazy spots of going through shit, and I, I kind of and, and brawling, and yeah, that's kind of like what what I, I didn't expect anything else, and I think I got something that was pretty good. Um, and if you add the extra layer of a guy who oozes charisma, oozes energy. He's not boring. Like, he doesn't bore me. I don't know. I think it paid off. And again, having it, having Ishii do shit. I mean, we sat back here. We was like, oh, Ishii, one-trick pony. It's a great one. It's a great pony. It's a fucking one of the greatest ponies of all time. But it is one. And he decides to climb the fucking ropes and do a dive to the outside. <laughs> I was like, okay. Toriya Ishii, confirmed listener of the Super J cast. Right, right. Trust me. I did, I did think this. Um, I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. Again, is it uh, is it a match that... People are going to be like, oh, match. No, of course not. But I thought it was a good, solid brawl. Um, and with a, with a little bit extra spice added in being G1, Quark, and, and um, you know, and, and the fun stuff at the end. I, 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 I liked it more than you did, that's for sure. Uh, give me snowflakes. Where are you at for this? Uh, I mean, three and three quarters. I, I didn't go four. No, I see. I would say about about the same. I think. Okay. Yeah, I think we're about the same. I think I would just maybe in how I articulate myself, I was focusing more on the negatives than the positives. So everything that you said are also things that I enjoyed about the match too. So um, yeah, I think we're on the same page there. All right. All right. You, we'll you, give you- I, I think by this point in the G one, you know, I think we know what we're going to get with John Moxley, right. and it's just about being okay with that you know he's not going to be going out there having a a, a technical five-star classic or, or whatever this is john moxley's he's uh, an exciting violent brawler now let me see this i'm gonna now i'm gonna play a little bit of a of a grouch so stay with me here isn't it amazing how every one of these american pro wrestlers come over to new japan and they, they're all brawlers huh does that what does that tell you? Well, maybe not all of them, but you know. Well, who who um, else are you Jericho? Lumping in with that. Uh yeah. Jericho. To a certain degree, Cody. To a certain degree. Maybe maybe you know, not certainly not in the 
same realm as Jericho and and uh, and Moxley. Uh, yeah, I, I see. I don't, I don't want New Japan to get stuck into that. It almost seems like a blueprint, doesn't it, of a big mm. American name who uh, is no longer with WWE for whatever reason, and they get parachuted into New Japan. You get the, I understand the good stuff. You get the publicity. Maybe you get a few more NJPW World subscribers. You get people watching the shows. But then they beat Juice Robinson. Uh, you know, they're clogging up the main event scene in Jericho's case. Um, the quality of the matches are not to the, requ- I would say, not to the required standard in New Japan. You know, if we're looking at Jericho's recent output, we're looking at Cody's output. And- yeah, but, but, but Jericho has had great matches. Yeah, true. Yeah, Jericho has delivered, right? And I think Moxley has delivered too, right? Again, I don't. No, I don't think anyone was expecting five star classics, right? You were expecting with John Moxley, high energy, big time charisma, three and a half star matches slash brawls, right? Was anybody expecting anything different than that? Uh, no, I think that's fair. Yeah. Do you think it's that's his ceiling? Yeah, what you're getting is 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 John Moxley. That's what you're getting. Like like that being said, that that Ishi match, that was one of the best John Moxley matches I've seen. Right? Give me a, give me a better John Moxley match. I think I enjoyed the Juice Robinson match from the Super Juniors final more than that. Okay. Maybe it was just the novelty of it. Maybe. Okay. But that that one I don't know, that one felt a bit more violent. It was like a grudge match, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean I look, I'm I'm all right, let's put it this way. Right, have you been disappointed by John Moxley in New Japan Pro Wrestling? In the Jeff Cobb match, yes. Aside from that, no. I thought the juice match was great. But the Tai Chi match was very entertaining, even if you gave Tai Chi nothing. Really and did. I thought this this Ishii match was a lot of fun as well. Okay. So I'll reserve judgment until I've seen him with other people. But I'm giving John a thumbs up. I'm giving the John experiment oh, okay. a thumbs up. That's so fair. Far. I'm giving it a thumbs up. All right. There you go. All right. That was a. Uh, I thought I liked that show a lot. By the way, I thought that show was really fun. Um, thoroughly enjoyed that the, the the entire tournament matches on that show. Daryl asks us a question. Says John Moxley's really taken to NJPW and the G1. In my opinion, he should be a fixture for a long time. How long do you gents think he sticks around? Will AEW going on weekly TV in the fall preclude him from regular appearances for New Japan? So, what do you think? What sort of schedule, if any, will we see from Moxley going forward? Big shows, bigger shows. You're not going to see him. Uh, I look. I think, as shown by Dallas. AEW is his number one priority. Right now, G, or G1 and uh, New Japan is. It's only because AEW hasn't started up yet. Um, what do you think? Renee's going to want him jumping over to Japan every fucking two weeks? Come on. Uh, it's uh, I think we know of once that TV starts up where, where his priorities are going to lie. And we'll see him on big shows, and we'll see him... Um, maybe not every single tour, but 
uh, I would assume AEW is going to be his number one priority. Stefano asks, is Ishii the Tim Raines of wrestling? I don't know the reference, so you'll have to explain that one to yep, me. Yep, Tim Raines is my favorite baseball player, Joel. Um, he was uh, led the league in... Uh, I like guys who can run fast. So he uh, led the league in stolen bases, and he could hit for average, and he was consistent and an all-star, and just recently a Hall of Fame, Hall of Famer. So, um, no, he's not. No, I wouldn't say that he is a Tim Raines. I think he's more of a, for the baseball people, I think he's more of a uh, Andre Dawson, to be honest with you. Um so if you get the baseball references, there you go. So I would say not Tim Raines. I would go Andre Dawson. But uh, but that's the dude that we talked about. Um, we talked about baseball when we went to – remember we went to New York when we were at the bar? We were talking about Tim Raines and shit. Yeah, I, I remember Stephanie. I remember yeah. meeting him. Yeah, he's a good guy. Good guy. All right. Uh, yes, but no, I would go Andre Dawson on the reference. The Hawk. I've got nothing, David. Uh, next <laughs> show was uh, Saturday, July 20th at Caracon Hall, where our opening G1 match was Zack Sabre Jr. finally getting a win, Yay. defeating Bad Luck Farley in 6 minutes 30 seconds via a countout. I thought this was very smartly worked. The way that they positioned Zack having gone 0-3 as the babyface underdog versus Farley. Um, not to mention the fact that he was outnumbered because Jado was out there, Chase Owens was out there. I uh, really enjoyed the start with Zach just clinging on to Farley. Uh, it reminds me of one of my favorite video games called Shadow of the Colossus, where you have to climb up these giant monsters and find their weak, weak spots to kill them. And I, it was I, a I bet you crowd I, I went bananas you, I, for it, didn't they? I bet you it's their dick, right? That's their weak spot. <laughs> you just punch them right in the dick. Right? Yeah, all, all of them, all 16 of them, you just go straight right. to the dick. Yeah. Seems like a pretty easy video game to me. Just go for the dick. I'm just saying. Climbing up the pubes and stabbing him in the dick. That, that's yeah, what I'm saying. That's it. You might sound like you've played it before. Well, listen, maybe, you know, it just seems pretty obvious to me, right? That's everybody's weak spot. Well, everybody has a dick. All right. Um, I'm sorry, I cut you off again. Wait, isn't uh, the balls are the weak spot, not the dick? Uh, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, but they're all, it's a three-piece set, Joel. Come on. You know that. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, what, I got to continue on now? Um... Yeah, what did you think of Zack Sabre Jr. versus Bad Luck Farley? Oh, no more dick talk, huh? All right. Um, I liked it. I liked the finish. I like desperate Zack, too. You know? Like him starting a match and just jumping, and, and, and you're right, just kind of clawing on and, and hanging on for dear life and trying to put it away early, um, knowing full well that he's got to stay away from him because if he gets in, in arm's length, he's dead. And then, yeah, the count-out finish. Here's our first count-out finish, right? Um, <laughs> I, I, I like the creativity of him realizing that Fale is down and he can outrun him, right? And he just hustles down the steps and dives in. And he's like, count, count, count. Uh, and he took it. You know, he's like, I'll take the fucking, I'll take a count-out. And it's smart. Like, you know what I mean? Like, as much as we love Zach, realistically, he shouldn't be getting a pinfall win over a guy like Fale, right? He doesn't really have anything in his arsenal that could tie him up like a guy like that. He, I mean, he tries with the octopus, but like if he gets him on the mat, how, you know, just the logistics of it. Even though he tried, like there was one spot where he's latched onto his leg. He, like, he's wrapped around his leg and Fale's kind of dragging him to the ropes. Um, 
No, I think it makes sense. I think, you know, you kind of got Bullet Club bullshit backfiring. And the crowd popped. You're right. Babyface Zach. How about that? Who, who would have thought that? Um, and he gets his points. So makes sense. I liked it. And it, I, I, let's put it this way. I wasn't offended by it. Um, and in hindsight, it's it was probably the best way to go, just to get some Zach on the board, get a win over Fale. Um, that would make the most sense, and that's probably a count out. Him gassed out. Yeah, it makes sense. And it's good having this count out at this point because now every subsequent count out tease is a bit more meaningful because there's the element of danger there because you've already seen someone get counted out. Uh, next match then was Hiroshi Tanahashi defeating Lance Archer in 11 minutes 58 with a victory roll. I enjoyed Tanahashi just being a little shit and going for the sneaky drop kick off the bat. And again, with Archer matches, you you get the big high spots. You've got the choke slam on the apron, the senton off the apron um, from Lance. And again, we touched on this earlier, but the dueling chance from this Karakawan crowd, I never thought I would live to see the day where we had Go Ace and Archer chance at what I thought was roughly the same level there. It's it's like we're, we're in another universe here. And I, how can you not love Lance Archer screaming, I'm the ace now? And it was really cool seeing uh, the, the Texas man using the cloverleaf. It's just two smart, experienced wrestlers going up there, putting on a perfectly paced match that had the crowd on the edge of their seats uh, if you strip away everything but the actual moves nothing really remarkable there but right. the characters involved made it feel special and all of Lance Archer's moves just feel extra like like his choke slam there's the more height more anger this feels more vicious than a regular choke slam uh, I also enjoyed Tanahashi blocking the claw like his life depended on it it was a bit cheesy <laughs> in camp it's very entertaining and uh, I love the victory roll finish I thought it was really uh, well executed so big thumbs up from me how you feeling about the claw everybody dies claw how you feeling I like it I think it fits the Lance aesthetic I liked when he was sort of teasing it and the camera zooms in on him and he's holding his hand up making the claw like oh, I'm going to get him with the claw now uh, I think it works for him Still not. I'm not f- feeling the claw. I'm. I'm just not. I for a guy like that. Oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I'll tell you what it reminds me of. Have you seen Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? Yes. You know the guy who gouges out people's yeah. still beating heart right. <laughs> with his bare hands. That's what it reminds me of. So maybe I'm just getting Indiana Jones Temple of Doom flashbacks and enjoying it because of that. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, it just seems like a guy like a monster guy like that. He's doing all these, just like you said, the extra oomph on everything, right? The extra, and then it's just this, to me at least, this anticlimactic thing. You know, it could be like a fucking arm bar. You know what I mean? Or it could be a chin lock. It's the claw. And it just feels very dated as a finisher to me. It just feels like a very dated thing um, to bring back. It would be like, you know, again, like, I'm trying to think of like, like, uh, like a real old school finisher that you're just like, oh, it just, it just seems very, again, dated, very 80s bring, callback. With, in, in a world where we live in, you know, Canadian destroyers and, you know, high five flows and whatever. Every other fucking finisher that seems a little bit more high impact, we got a claw. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I'm not feeling it right now. 
not feeling it, but maybe that'll change. I doubt it, but uh, nah, not 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 feeling the claw. What about the match itself? Two guys. I mean, Lance, who's extra motivated. Lance always seems to have good matches with Tanahashi too. They've had matches before, and even in tag matches, it seems like they they have a nice chemistry. Like them a lot. Tanahashi, so yeah, Lance, who's super motivated, putting on a career performance in this G1. And you got Tanahashi, who's just smart, like, like, like we said before. Plays to people's strengths. Doesn't do anything out of control. Everything makes sense. He automatically brings interest and passion and, and energy to a match. You let Lance do some some heavy lifting again. He's doing that dive that 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 somersault off the apron. He shouldn't be fucking doing that, but he's doing it. It's good. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a recipe that it's a winner. Lance is so fucking motivated right now, and that's that's refreshing. I I I don't think I'm happier for another pro wrestler. I don't think I've ever been happier for another pro wrestler. I don't know. I've never met the guy. I've never met the guy. Seems like a nice guy. But I'm telling you what, I've never been happier. It's amazing what he's been able to do for his career in in, in three, four matches. Fantastic. I hope he continues on. It's going to be hard to keep this pace, though. It's going to be hard to keep this pace. But I I just hope he presses on because he's changing. He's changing his career. I couldn't be happier for the guy. I think he's got some really talented opponents still to wrestle. You know, he's still got guys like Ibushi. He's still got Okada to wrestle. So I think we can definitely expect more from him. So um, again, really good stuff uh, by both guys. Uh, next match was Kenta defeating Evil in 15 minutes, three seconds with the go to sleep. And I'm enjoying Kenta so far. It's like the, the comparisons with what he used to be. He's not the tough guy that he used to be. But he's trying to be the tough guy that he used to be. So he, in this match, he couldn't uh, beat or he couldn't best evil physically because evil's a big guy. Evil's bigger than him, so he sort of had to fight from below. I just he, he's just bringing in those little dickhead touches. Like I loved him wiping evil's makeup on his face, and then he, he started to get some real heat from the crowd in this oh, match. Yeah. And I mean, I said before, evil's having a sneaky good tournament here. I thought he was again very very good. Uh, a guy who threatens to get lost in the shuffle, but I really feel guys out here fighting for their spots. Um, suplex onto the chair, look really nasty. And like I mentioned before, the way Kent has introduced one of his signature moves each time. So he did the game over versus Archer, but in this match we got the Bisaiku knee. So we're still waiting to see the Kenta rush. I think he's saving that to use against Okada. Go to sleep, finish. It seemed like it was Nobody's on the arms again. Was, yeah, nobody's taking yeah. this move well. It, it looked that bad that I thought, oh, was he trying to grab it and counter it there? And then I watched it a few more times and thought, no, that's, he wasn't trying to do that. But it just looked a bit clunky and awkward. So I don't think anyone's taken it properly so far. Tanahashi came the closest, but even that it wasn't great. Like, what is that? Like, is that? Okay. So you got several people now that have taken this move and it's all looked like shit. Doesn't that have to fall on Kenta a little bit? Like, like... Everyone's taking this move like shit. 
Like, what, what, what are we? What, what's what's missing here? Nobody's taking this move right. Doesn't seem like that difficult, does it? I bet Osprey takes it properly. I mean, I get it. Nobody wants to get kicked in the fucking face, but you get a knee in the in the mush. But I mean, these things are missing by a mile. I mean, we're hitting people in the chest and the shoulder. Nobody's even coming close. I don't know. I mean, look again. There's, 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 there have been several people to take this move, and nobody's taken it right. Some, some of that blame you would think has to fall on the person who's delivering the move. Something's, I don't know. I, either, either fix it or put it away, or put it, put it away, because, because it's. I will say this: it does hurt from the match, doesn't it? Yeah, because I was watching it thinking, yeah, this is really good. I'm enjoying this a lot. And then the finish came. Ooh. And then I was like, ugh. Right. It does. I'm telling you, either fucking fix it or put it in the fucking closet. Wrap it up. Find something else. Because this, this ain't working. I mean, is he... Is it? I, I got to go back and watch. But it's got to be him delivering the strike. It's got to be him delivering the knee. That's that's missing the mark. That's the problem, right? See, I don't know where your arms are supposed to be when you're receiving the move. I think I need to go back and watch some tape on the best ways to sell, uh, to receive the, the go to sleep because, yeah, are the arms supposed to be... I don't know where the arms are supposed to be, Damon. I mean, I would think by your side, right? Like you're in a you're in a fireman's carry, you're getting tossed in the air, and all you just need to do is come down. Wouldn't the arms be at the side? I mean, that takes a lot of balls to do. You're trusting the guy not to fucking knock your teeth inside out, but you just you all you got to do is fall. It's the guy who's delivering the knee that's got to place it right, and it looks like he is like mistiming it. And Maybe again, he's told people to put the arms up because he's worried. I think didn't he accidentally? Bust someone up in WWE. Oh, he's, doing bu- that. he's maybe he's, he's just yeah. He's probably busted them. Just hundreds of them. Like, come yeah. On. I mean, okay. Listen, if you don't have confidence in in doing it, don't do it. Right? Come look. If somebody says, okay, here's the finish. You're 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 going over. Hit him with the go to sleep. You could be like, uh, can I hit him with something else? And I'm like, and I don't feel good about the go. You know, I'm sure that conversation could take place. You don't have to do the fucking move if you're not confident in doing the move. And again, I'm blaming him only because there's been four people that have taken it and it's all looked like a, a hunk of shit. And it's taken away from the matches. Don't do it. Don't do the go to sleep. Put, put it the fucking best, the rest. Who needs it? All right. Uh, okay, and then what else we got? Mark says, what rating would you give Kenta so far considering... Both the hype of Noah and ROH, Ira Kenta, and the disappointing WWE run, I give him a B plus. I think every match of his has been at least good. With Tanahashi and Archer has his best so far. And Daniel says, Do you think Kenta's insane run indicates he'll stick with New Japan after? Because he is four and at the moment in the G1. So uh first of all, what rating would you give him so far? And do you think he's gonna stick around? I think he's done good. Um you know, go to sleep aside. I think a B plus is a, at least a B, right? I think a, I think he's in the Bs. You could say, depending upon your mileage, I'll give him a plus or a minus. But I'm 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 definitely above average. 
definitely above average. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of feel like he's staying, right? I would, I mean, giving him all these wins, you would think against key guys, big name guys, you would think uh, he'd be sticking around for a little bit. I, we haven't gotten that confirmed though. That is for sure. That's a question we got to ask. Um, but yeah, I would think he'd be sticking around. Our next match then was Kota Ibushi defeating Sanada in 90 minutes 14 with a Kamigoye. This had been built up with the backstage comments where Ibushi was saying that Sanada is a bad fit for LIJ. Um, hyped up also as the handsome battle. And I just like the story of the one-upsmanship here again. There was a cool moment early on where they teased doing the double drop kicks. Sanada did one, but then Ibushi just walked off to the corner with a smug look on his face. And then you had Sonata teasing the to- the tope, but instead he flipped back into the ring and pointed to his ear. And yeah, like we, we touched on earlier, Sonata's definitely stepped things up. He's He seems like he's leaning into the aesthetic of being extremely sexy and cool and athletic with more self-awareness than usual. He's showing off a bit, uh, and I like it. And I think it helped in this match as well to have Ibushi literally screaming at him to show some fire. Like when they were doing the chest kick exchange, Sonata actually screamed himself. He showed some anger and that was great because we don't see that from him much. I It, it was good. I, I need to see some levels in my wrestlers, Damon. Give me a, a range of emotions. And I also enjoyed at the end the, the little Kamigoye back and forth. That was really smooth. And then post-match, Ibushi was saying that he would welcome Seiya Sonata anytime to join his group. So maybe we're going to get a future tag team of the Golden Skulls. You think? Again, there's another example of a tag team where you got two guys that, again, maybe not doing anything. And I say that in air quotes. I like this match a lot. I love the fact that Sonata almost pinned Abushi with you know with his own move. Uh, yeah, uh, Sonata has had. Arguably, one of the best G1s of his career so far. And arguably, he's in the mix for a guy who's had one of the best G1s this year. And it is it, and it is really not a lot more than him showing that fire and that energy and that charisma that is buried underneath all that cold skull bullshit. He feels like a pro wrestler now. He feels like he's he has a range of emotions. Please don't let anyone tell you that that's not an important element of being a pro wrestler, of being able to connect with a crowd, whether that be through verbalization, whether that be through facial gestures, body language. That's an important important element in connecting with a pro wrestling crowd. And that doesn't necessarily mean you just got to go up there and get, you know, your your foot stomping and your hands clapping to get people to clap. I mean, you know, for him that's that's leaps and bounds, mind you, but it doesn't have to be as as hokey as that. But there's something there. And there's there is an element of fire that just wasn't there before. And again, cold school, I get it, blah blah blah. There's something else there that's that that in just this summer, and I don't know if it's the new the new the new ring gear. I don't know if it's a new haircut. I don't know whatever you want to fucking call it. It's different, and it feels like there's more life, and it feels like there's more depth, and it feels like there's more uh, 
to hang your hat on to get behind a Sonata and to help him get to a next level. Because guess what? Cold Skull was only going to take you so far, is only going to take you so high. And truth be told, it's, it's really one of my biggest fears about evil. You're only going to go so far as Goth Boy. You're only going to go so far. You need to have depth and you need to have a reason why people want to root for you over and above the fact that you're really handsome. You need something. And that's what, that's what he's bringing to the table now. And that's why I really feel like fire, energy, and match quality side. Because nobody's doubting the match quality. Nobody ever really doubted the match quality. It was all about him becoming a more well-rounded pro wrestler. And you would, would have thought that, you know, at 30 or something, that, that that would have already happened. But, okay, it's taking him a little bit of time with this. But I feel like we're cracking through a shell, and it's finally happening. And if you can ride this momentum off of G1 and continue it on to Wrestle Kingdom, and then further on next year, we're looking at a world-class performer. Yeah, totally agree with you, Damon. I think he's shown a lot more charisma. Uh, this year than he was in previous years. Uh, let's talk about the main event, which was Kazuchika Okada defeating oh. Will Ospreay, 21 minutes 56 with a Rainmaker. Uh, and so we got the story, you know, obviously Okada is the guy who brought Will Ospreay into New Japan, brought him into chaos. So we got the big brother dynamics where it's like the big brother's trying to school the little brother. And then it all just got tossed out the window with that slap, that chop. Mm. Wow. Mm. Uh, that that just seemed like a big turning point in the match. When he hit that chop, like you said, like someone fired a gun in Karakon Hall and the whole crowd just gasped. Just just perfect. Wow, oh. just amazing stuff. And wow, this match. I thought this was Okada's best match of 2019. I know it's the Sonata New Japan Cup final is up there, but for me, I enjoyed this one more. And you got your classic New Japan style main event epic. You had the slow build, but the closing stretch was just oh. unreal. The the Rainmaker into the Spanish Fly, the Stormbreaker into the Rainmaker, and when when Will counted the Rainmaker, when when he did the backflip and hoisted him up for the Stormbreaker, the Caracuan crowd exploded. They were just beside themselves, and just the timing, the athleticism, the speed, Speed, the the execution, the precision, <clears throat> excuse me, the strength. It's just outstanding. Closing few minutes, just breathtaking, Damon. It was right up there with Omega Okada 1. And in terms of the result, Will's now own 4 against Okada. And I love that. It's like, I, I like having these one-sided feuds because you build up to that moment and you know it's coming, Damon. You know that one yeah. day, Will is going to pin Okada and it's going to be all the more meaningful because you had to wait for it. You, you experienced all these near misses. And, and here's the other thing. Osprey, he's won one G1 match so far. Only yeah. one. But that's not what sticks in your memory. I'm going to remember that Will Osprey absolutely knocked it out of the park in his two Karakuan main events. The fact that he lost them both is irrelevant because he doesn't come across like a loser. He comes across like a future IWGP heavyweight champion. Yeah. He comes across as a guy. Right. He comes across as a guy who people are along for the ride watching him take the next level. That's what you get out of these matches. Joel, I love pro wrestling. I do. But it's moments like these where, I, you know, you're happy to be alive. 
<laughs> like you're happy to to have your body feel things that maybe during a week or a month or a year or whatever is going on it feels and it and 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 that is the joy and the art that is pro wrestling what an absolute pleasure it was to sit through that like you you turned off that show and you you wanted to have a cigarette you wanted to you know you wanted to hold somebody like like that's the kind of match that you want to share with others and you want people to come over and be like let's watch this let's let i i need to share something with you right i need to share a part of of what this great thing is that i enjoy that one spot the rainmaker spot and then what was it into the spanish fly holy fucking shit look watch this match if you haven't i i'm going to full marks man i'm going to full fucking marks it it is everything that i love about pro wrestling uh it's 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 a guy who is having Arguably, I don't think there's an argument to be made anymore. I I, I say arguably because I'm just trying to be a nice fucking guy and trying to 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 have everybody be included. Look, he's got my vote. It's done. It's unless somebody performs an absolute bloody miracle, he is my winner, wrestler of the year. There's nobody that's had over. We've we talk about every year. We get to like the halfway point of the year, and you could, and we've had conversations about Kota Ibushi, we've had uh, conversations about Ricochet, we've had conversations about Okada, and we always get to the the halfway point of the year, and we're like, oh my god, this guy's a fucking shoe in, and then somebody kind of gets in the mix later on in the year, whether Noah has a big show, whether. All Japan has a big show. Maybe there's a spectacular performance at SummerSlam. And, and somebody just starts to have a, a good summer. And, and, it, and it kind of snowballs. And then there's a lot of... Bu- there's no one that's had the level of output so far, halfway through a year, than Will Ospreay. It, not Ricochet back in you know a handful of three or four years ago. Not Kota Ibushi. There's really been no one that's had this kind of output, this 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 level of, for half a year. Every fucking match that this guy gets in, you're shaking your head like, oh my God, that was the best of the night. From Dallas to this show, to to the New Japan Cup, to to the best of the Super Juniors. I, I don't know how... I don't know how you can't look at this and be like, oh, this. At the very least, listen, and there are people that are going to be like, well, Shingo, and I agree, Shingo's having a great year. There are people going to say Kento, and I'm going to say Kento's had a great year. Not at this level. It's just not. And the people that won't even put him in the conversation, I I have no time for. I I can't even look at him. I can't, I don't, you know, whatever. There's, there, there, I, whatever. Like, if I can sit here and tell you Tai Chi, Blew me away and had my pants fucking down. You can come to the table and be like, yeah, the guy deserves to be in the conversation. Absolutely. What a great match. And again, against arguably you know, the greatest wrestler in the past five years. 
How do you go wrong? And a main event at G1 at Cork and all. Guess what I'm doing? I'm fucking finishing up this pulled pork, and I'm turning that match on again because it was a work of art. Pulled pork and Will Ospreay and Okada today, this Sunday. That's what I'm doing this Sunday. I've already watched it twice, David. And you're right. He is having like a freakishly good year. And the amazing thing is that we know how great he is because we see it like pretty much every week, but he still manages to exceed expectations. Yeah. And he was in this, this big spot with these two Karakon Hall main events within three days and he's against quality opposition, Kota Ibushi, Kazuchika Okada, but he still manages to exceed expectations. I, I, and Scampi is in total agreement with me. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, Scampy knows. Uh, I'm blown away by him. I'm blown away by the output. And and to me, what you saw there at that G1, I'm telling you flat out, you witnessed history. You watched a defining moment in the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling. That I promise you. That match is going to be played back on video packages as we chronicle Will Ospreay's career leading up to a big match for a big boy title. That's what you saw right there. You saw Will Ospreay take the next step, elevate, to be a cornerstone of New Japan Pro Wrestling. That, my friends is something that you can be proud of to say that you were there because that's exactly what that match was. And more to come. Well, what, four matches into his right. G1. Right, We've right. got five more left. Right. He's wrestling Tanahashi in right. Budokan Hall. Yeah. Let me ask you this. There's nothing that's been below a four, right? Nothing, none of his well, matches have been below uh, four stars, right? No. Has there has there been anything that's been below four and a half? So he's had Lance, Lance Sonata, Ibushi, Okada. Nothing's below four and a half, right? For the, 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 the Sonata match, but yeah, it, w- it was definitely up there. I might have had it at four and a quarter. Okay. But I know plenty of people had it at four and a half. Okay. Yeah, I had that as four and a quarter, but... Okay. Again, we're not going to quibble over a quarter of a star, but we're in the range, right? Yes. So now we're talking about who's had the greatest run, G1 run, and arguably people have said Kota Ibushi, right? With with six matches to go or, or, five, or how many more we got, he's beaten that, right? He's beaten that run of Kota Ibushi of having the greatest G1 ever, right? Ibushi had that great match with Ishii and he had a very good match with Kenny Omega and then he had an amazing final. Do you think Will has had three matches that were as good as those three that I've just mentioned? The, the Okada match is in, that, is in that conversation. The Lance was really great. I don't know. Here's the problem. Even though 
main eventing a G1 at Corrigan is a big deal, is a, is a nice spot. It's not a finals. And there is something about a finals and a semifinals where, where the energy and the stage and the spotlight help us elevate that situation. So maybe I'm going to reserve judgment until we get there. I don't know if, if Will is a, is a semifinalist. And, and, I, and I don't 